0: Welcome to our first of our four weeks of parenting. And I just want to you know, say on the, uh, on the outset if you are not a parent, I promise you something every single week will apply to you. I'll try to even point that out to you. But this is for those of you who are parents, those of your grandparents, those of your aunts, uncles who have kids in the neighborhood. There's opportunities for us as a community to affect the next generation. So I just want to kind of set the stage for that. Also, uh, because it is 9.30, this is that time of year where you get the normal speech from Dan, which is if you are available to move to 8 o'clock or to Thursday... Please do, you know, uh, um, otherwise I will question your salvation. I am just kidding. Uh, Don't, whatever guilt uh, that you've grown up in Catholic Church or otherwise, I apologize, you know, for that. Also, if you are here for more than one service, I'm going to encourage you to park as far away as you can. I know it's cold this morning, but uh, we want to make sure we have room for people as they kind of come in on a regular basis. And so, with that, uh, and I know how excited many of you guys are, let me just start by saying this. Parenting. Is one of the easiest things I've ever done in my life. (laughs) What? Well, if you don't believe me, you know, I do have a beachfront property in Tijuana, Mexico. I'd like to sell you, you know, in the lobby, you know, as well, if you believe that that is true. It's not. I mean, it's actually one of the hardest things to be able to do, because even when you feel like you figured it out, they change or you have another one and they're completely different than the first one. And you're like, how is that possible? You know, for someone to be diametrically different than the the other one as well. But I'm excited about this series because I think it's gonna teach us a lot about us as God's kids and as we relate to him as our father as well. But before I jump in, one last reminder, DNA is next week. So I wanna encourage you, if you've been coming to this church, you're like, I want this to be my home church. There is a difference between attending and making this your home church the difference between, you know, going to church and being a part of the church, and there's a difference between uh, uh, being a follower of Christ and going deeper in Him. And so I want to encourage you to come to that, sign up so we know how many people to expect, and I would encourage you to do so now. We already have 30 people signed up, so I want to make sure we're prepared for you as well. Now, what we're going to do with this parenting series is we're going to look at God's Word and from experts in the field. And uh, you know who those experts are, right? Those who don't yet have kids, you know, uh, they are, they they have the most opinions and they're experts and I can honestly say before I had kids, I thought I had read enough, know enough and said this is what it's going to be like and then you have kids and you're like, Darn it! But there's some hard stuff as we go through this, and with any generation, we have to address the things that are happening in each generation. And so we're going to really unfold that in the next few weeks. Today is going to be kind of an overview uh, because I asked on social media what are some questions that you just have that you'd like to see us answered as we go through these next four weeks. Here were some of the questions: uh, How do you get over the relentless feeling that you are failing? I think that's a a powerful question. How come no one tells you that parenting adult children is so much harder? I relate to that one. Uh, How do I get my kids to talk to me? What about the balance and roles? When do I show grace and discipline? You know, like letting them fail versus protecting them from harming themselves. How do I navigate and help a teenager in their years of identity in this day and age and culture? How to train them in sharing and standing up for their beliefs in the world where they're instantly criticized for speaking out. And that's just about six of about 50 or 60 different ones. So because there are so many of these things, I wanna just tell you just a couple things. One, parenting is a combination of a science and an art. Uh, uh, Those of you who like the, well, if you do this, plus this, it equals this, that's the science part of it. And there are principles that are timeless. Any culture, any generation. But there's also an art to it because different generations and different kids are different and so we've got to learn what that nuance is. And as I mentioned to you, everyone has advice on parenting. You go to so many different resources and see uh, uh, people who have advice, people who may not know much about it. Like you wouldn't think that Mark Twain, Mark Twain wrote about some of his vice advice on parenting. Here's what he said, when they are 13, put them in a barrel and nail the lid shut, then feed them through the knothole. Wow, he must have not had a good day with with his kid. That's an interesting parenting advice, but he wasn't done. Uh, When they are 16, plug the knothole. Ah, wow. Okay, Mark, you know, interesting perspective, you know, there. But we do want to provide you with resources uh, that are going to be deeper or specific to what you might be going through. Because things are changing and things are different. So I can't hit everything at the level in which you need it. So uh, every series that we go through, we're now providing resources. And so here is our resource page for our parenting series. They'll be updated and changed. So there are books, there's podcasts, there's devotionals. You know, There's different areas that you might want to discover, go deeper in. And so instead of just Googling it, this might be an opportunity for you to grab some stuff that may be helpful for what you are dealing with or what you may know a friend is dealing with as well. So with all of that said as the backdrop, if you don't get anything else out of today, okay, this is the one time to pay attention, this is the question I want you to ponder, and you may not be able to answer this during our service, but at some point today or this week, what is the primary goal of parenting? What is your primary goal of parenting? See, most of us don't take the time to, be, to actually be able to outline what that is. Uh, And in fact, when you actually are presented with this, it is fascinating how many different responses for the primary goal of parenting. So I threw this on social media as well. Here were some of the responses. One, to prepare a child to navigate and contribute to the adult world, to raise successful people, to take the best parts of yourself and pass it down to your children. How about to keep your children alive? I like that one. That one actually is a, is a good goal. You know, sometimes that is a success. Teach them to have respect for themselves, others, people with authority, uh, that they know that they're completely loved and that you have their back, to have strong morals and values, to stand up for what they know is right, to guide our children into autonomy, and the list goes on and on and on. Because whether it's stated or not, you're operating by a certain goal or idea of what parenting looks like. And here's what's, getting, what's crazy. You're married to someone, for some of you, who are, are in that in, in marriage, and you're trying to figure out, well, they have a different perspective. Thus comes conflict in the marriage because you're not on the same page. I wish somebody had posed that question to me before we had our first child so that we could sit down and process through what is The goal of parenting. Now, let me warn you uh, what we we don't want to do, especially if you're a follower of Jesus, is to say, hey, honey, what is our goal? What you want to say is, God, what do you think our goal should be? What does his word have to say when it comes to parenting? Because guess what? This is all his idea. He's the one that created us. He's the one that created us to have kids. There is a purpose and a desire for this that we're supposed to learn and grow on, and none of the answers that you gave were wrong. None of them. Those are all great responses from different perspectives. But could it be that there is a unifier, that there's something that you could agree on if you're a follower of Jesus Christ? So let me give you one that really stood out to me that I think really hits it on the head. A parent's goal is to gradually transfer a child's dependence away from them until it rests solely on God. A parent's goal is to gradually transfer a child's dependence on them, because when they come out, who are they dependent on? 100% on their survival from you. And then as they grow, our goal is not, as Americans especially, to raise independent, successful kids. Now, is that a goal? For sure, those are not bad goals, But if you're a follower of Christ, to gradually help them understand that their dependence on you needs to shift to their dependence on their heavenly father so that when they're outside your home and then training their own kids and into eternity, it's a different perspective. And God helps us with this. See, one of the best parenting chapters in all the Bible is Deuteronomy chapter 6. And God has chosen the nation of Israel as his children, and he has some thoughts and advice that he gives to them in concept and in practicality. And so here's what he says in verses one and two. These are the commands, decrees, and regulations that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you. You must obey them in the land you're about to enter and occupy. And you and your children and grandchildren must fear the Lord your God as long as you live. If you obey all his decrees and commands, You will enjoy a long life. And then he says this, listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all your soul, and all of your strength. Now the Israelites would call this later on the Shema, and, and this is one aspect of taken from three different verses where every morning they would recite this as a morning prayer and they would finish this at the evening as well. And they would say, God, you are one. We're going to love you. And we are going to love our neighbor as ourselves. And they would do this as a family, as a unit every single morning, helping them understand that our primary growth and area is to love God with everything we are and then eventually also to love our neighbor as ourself. Now here's what's fascinating. If this is the goal of parenting, do you understand that what scripture is teaching us that your first step towards parenting actually has nothing to do with the child? It has to do with you and it has to do with me. See, Deuteronomy chapter six, verse six, God goes on to by saying, "'And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly "'to these commands that I am giving you today.'" In other words, don't start with, hey, what are we going to do to raise this kid? We've got to start with looking in the mirror and asking ourselves, where are we in our dependence of God? Where are we in our love of God? Where are we in our relationship with God? Because here's the truth that you know, more is caught than taught. But I can tell my kids what they should and should not do, but especially when they're young, they are mirrors. <laughs> they, 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 I look in the mirror, I'm like, oh, yep, I am impatient. Look, hey, you're impatient. Look, I do these good things, you do those good things. It's fascinating that you can tell your kids a lot of things, but kids are so smart. They represent more your values and your interests truly. You and I can represent something outside of the home, but they get to see it. And so they know who, what we really value, what, we, what, we really, what really matters in our lives, which is why Jesus affirms this in the New Testament in Mark 12, 12, verse 30. And you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, your soul, your mind, and all of your strength. Now, <laughs> that, those absolute words are very frustrating for me. With all of my heart, I, I try, I give him a lot of my heart. You know, all my soul, all my mind, all my strength. You know, what I think God is trying to tell us is, am I first priority? Right? And, and, and would, by my actions and words, outside these walls, would my kids know that? Would they understand that? That's the challenge that I have to face on a regular basis. So it starts by me examining and looking in the mirror first at myself. And then we go to start processing, how do we lead our family spiritually. How do we lead our family spiritually? This is usually where the question comes up. Wait a minute, Dan. Isn't that what the church is there for? And if you send them to camp, attend youth group, attend kids area small group, isn't that what the church is there for? Now there is a part that is true, but this is actually probably the best illustration to give to give to you. So here's what you understand. These these are the hours in which you have, you know, during the course of a year with your child, non sleeping. Okay, so it's about 3,000 hours that you have. If you take away school, you have about 2,000, 2,200. Just depends, you know, here or there. It's not a science. There's an art behind us as well. If you attend church, if you are a committed church goer, you will average probably about 40 times a year because you're gonna have times when you're sick, you're on vacation, you're out. And I'm talking about like you are into it. You are at church all the time. That represents this. So when we think, if I just come to church, my kids will obviously, you know, love Jesus, love him with their heart, soul, mind, and strength, you gotta understand there is a difference in the opportunity and the responsibility where the church can help, but if the church is primary, we're gonna fall far, far short if our only engagement in the church is attending once a week. For an hour versus the two to 3,000 hours that we have with them in their lives. Which leads us to this next question that's question gonna cause us to ponder just a bit. Are you, let's self reflect, leading your family or is your child leading you? We have rotated and moved into a child centric culture where it's about the kids. And I understand, you know, growing up uh, and and becoming a parent, one of the things that you desire is for your kids to have something better or greater than what you had when you were a child. So you might work harder because you want to provide more. You might might do more things, more experiences. You might want to give them more opportunities that you never had. As a parent, you just want what's best for your kid and something better than what you had. But could it be that in the desire to give them What is good, you actually miss out on what is truly best. And we can see this happening a lot of times when we become so child-centric on our regular lives. Our lives can easily revolve around our children instead of revolving around God. That's the danger that we can walk to in our culture. I could tell you how many times I've had a similar conversation like this since COVID ended, and that is, hey, I run into somebody, uh, the store, coffee shops most likely, and I, and they see me, I see them, and I might say, hey, I haven't seen you at church in a while. And they're like, oh, oh, you know, Dan, we just have been so busy. It's almost like post-pandemic, everybody's trying to catch up and make up for lost time. So all of the schools and all the activities are saying, hey, we're going to do this and we're going to do this tenfold. Almost like you're going to try to catch up. And so you find yourself sucked into the vortex of all the activities. I'll even speak to my own life. Uh, My family, if you haven't got this so far, is a sports family, right? There's a lot of sports, a lot of activities that are going on. And so it can be very easy, especially when it comes to AAUs and that kind of stuff, to allow the child and their schedule to dictate and drive the family, which those activities are not bad in and of themselves. But the question is, where is God in the midst and around those activities? Because it can be very easy to fall into the trap of keeping up with the other kids that we actually miss the primary reason that we're supposed to parent our kids, which is to help them grow in dependence on God. See, one way to help with this is to understand your engagement in the church is critical for you and your child. Now, Some of you guys are like, wait a minute, Dan, didn't you just say, this is not enough? And you'd be right, this is not enough. But you understand that the church is not a place you go to. The church is a group of people that you belong to with Jesus at the center. And when you start living your life in the context of community and understand that the people of God actually come to a facility to worship God, then all of a sudden now your your framework completely changes. Because now you're offering your time, your talents, and your treasures. And when you come to church and you start growing in him, you don't just come to receive, which is great, which is why you're here, but all of a sudden you come to give. And when you start giving and when you start serving and when you're in a life group together and start building relationships and you hang out outside the church and you love each other, and I've seen so many groups start doing this so fantastically during COVID and after COVID, and you're seeing these, these people engage with each other's families, you're like, there it is. That's the picture of engagement the church I mean, the men's group that I'm in. I mean, my kids know that. And in fact, they, they come to church, you know, um, um, uh, all the way through high school and they know in our household, you're gonna come for two services every week is one example. One is that you're gonna find a place that you're excited about serving and the other is you'll attend. So we're here as two services. You know, I'm here for four, yes, but that's my job. You know, uh, they're here for two because I want them to learn that. I don't want you just to come. I want you to be a part of and find your place, you know, as part of that. And then all of a sudden they start meeting friends and they start connecting and they see greater value in what God is leading and calling them potentially to be or to do. And this is where I usually get, but Dan, my middle school or high school student doesn't like going. And I don't wanna force them because that could make them turn away from God. And I get the tension. I totally understand that. But I want you to think through the logic of what you're actually saying. Let's apply this to other areas of your life. Do you make your middle school or high school student do their chores? Do you make them eat their vegetables? Do you make them attend school and do homework? But aren't you afraid that if you make them, they're never gonna do chores again the rest of their life? Aren't you afraid they're not going to eat healthy? Aren't you afraid they're never going to want to learn if you make them do their homework? How terrible of a dictating parent are you? Am I making fun? Yes, yes, I'm making fun. Because I know this to be true in my own family. I understand the wrestle. I understand the tug of war. I understand some of those things. But sometimes... The things that you are forcing your child to do is actually best for them while their brains are developing so that they can understand me following God, me connecting to him is more than just how I feel. There's an opportunity, and as a family, this is one of our values. Like Recent studies have come out. Just going back, let's just back up to this. You know, just by attending, let's just start with the attending and see what what happens in a child's life. So, you know, this is an example: kids, you know, who uh, become active, engaged uh, Christ followers as adults. This is uh, current uh, stats that have recently come out. So it says this: if neither mom nor dad went to church, I'm not talking about engaged, just going to church. uh, Six percent of kids will as adults. Next one, if mom only went to church, 15% of kids will as adults. If dad only went to church, 55% of kids will as adults. And if mom and dad went to church, 72% of kids will as adults. And I'm just talking about this. Imagine us bringing God into all of this and what begins to take place as we parent. And I understand it. it takes the village which is why if you're a single mom or a single dad, this is why we want you involved in groups so you can get the support and the connection and the help that we can provide as a church community. We want to be there for one another as we go through the ups and downs of life. Let me give you a personal example. I thought I had parenting figured out until my kids hit 16. And something happened, you know? I don't know, I'm still trying to figure it out, but here's what I can tell you. I have leaned more on some of you in this room and outside this room who are the next stage past me to help me in this season of life that I thought, well, I was a youth pastor one day. Obviously, I'm going to be the cool dad. They're going to love me. No, they don't want me around them at all. I'm like, what the heck? But I'm cool. Look at me. You guys know. You know. I don't know what they're not seeing, but there's this challenge. And as they're now, you know, I got a 20-year-old, I'm like, wow you know, I don't know how to do this well. And I'm I'm telling you, I am fumbling the ball more than I'm being successful. And that's hard for me. And so I'm learning. I'm trying to learn because could it be that one of the points of parenting is that God wants to do something in me almost as much, if not more, than he wants to do through me into the life of my kid? See, our, our kids... I hate saying this because there's a part of me that is very difficult when it comes to control, but our kids aren't even ours, right? They're a gift from God. So when we say that, all of a sudden the ownership and the responsibility, like, God, I'm going to do my best to honor you in raising these kids to grow up, to love, connect, and depend on you. I'm just a steward of the gift that God has given. The Bible says in verse, chapter 22, verse 6 of Proverbs, train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. How many of you guys have ever heard that verse? Okay, Many of you have. Here's what I can tell you. This has been one of the most mistranslated or misunderstood verses in the Bible. And the hard part is, because if you have kids that grow up, and you're like... They don't love God, like God. They won't have anything to do with anything that we raised them with whatsoever. And we're like, this verse must not be real. So let me just speak to you just for a second, even though we're gonna hit this a lot harder in about three weeks. First, you need to understand the story isn't finished. I think we went through plot twists, we understand that. It says, train a child in the way he should go when he is old. Old does not mean 20s and 30s, okay? Old is old. Okay, so you, I'm not gonna say what old is because I'll get emails from you. So you determine what old is, okay? But I just say it's not 20s and 30s. Second, here's a misnomer. The book of the Bibles, they need to be read and understood in their literary form and understanding. Otherwise, we can find ourselves messed up. The book of Proverbs is a book of wisdom. It's one of the three books of wisdom. It is not meant to be a book of absolutes, and we read this and we're like, this absolutely is going to happen. No, 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 this is wise. If you train them this way, then they will become this way over time. And we're gonna trust that that is the wisdom of God. But as soon as we say that these are absolutes, when it comes to a lot of what's written in Proverbs, then we can find ourselves tripped up pretty easily. And we can go on more on that later. So what am I supposed to be training them in? Good question. I don't have time to talk through this. So I'm gonna ask you to take a picture of the screen. Here is an example, okay? These are just some of the things that God does suggest in the book of Proverbs when it comes to what we're supposed to train our kids in. God's money, managing them, carefully selecting friends, watching their words, being responsible, guarding their minds, being generous towards others, deep fear, respect, honor of God, and the list goes on and on. This is just in a few chapters of Proverbs. God has a lot to say about how to help us in this. So let's get practical, right? I mean, some of you guys are like, okay, thank you for the art lesson. I need some science. I need to know what am I supposed to do. Good. Here's some practical ways the Bible actually tells us. Back to Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 7 through 9. Repeat them. God's words, God's commands, loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home, when you're on the road, when you're going to bed, when you're getting up. Tie them on your hands, wear them on your foreheads as reminders, write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. What God is saying is talk about God and his word at home. In other words, when you're in a relationship and in his proximity, is how much of God is mentioned, talked about, exhibited, followed up anywhere in these areas that you have with them? Because he's not saying, notice that he's saying, the reason he's emphasizing the home is he's trying to say outside of the synagogue, outside of going to synagogue, in our case, going to church is really important. He says, but the transformation actually takes place outside and the responsibility is on you for the church to come alongside and support you in that child rearing. So how do we do that? How do we talk about it? Well, the first thing he says, and I'll give you a practical example, is talk about Jesus and his word in your car. You're like, Dan, it doesn't say in your car in the Bible. Actually, it does, it says the road. So this is what I'm assuming, in your car, okay? So if you're in your car, here's what I didn't, I completely underestimated. I actually believed that um, I had my kid until they were 18 and graduated. What I've come to realize very, very quickly was once they get their license and their own mode of transportation, that time is gone. So I got till about 16, because once they had that, I didn't realize How many natural conversations that I had with my child in the car hours and hours, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes. And here's the best part of when you have them in your, in your car, they're in your car, like a prison cell, they can't leave and you get to decide whether you're going to let them outside the car. And so what an opportunity to engage in conversation. You determine how much their phones are going to be involved, but you have an opportunity to ask questions or to listen to worship music or podcasts or different things. Uh, let me give you one that uh, we're in, we've been in the habit of doing. So with Angeli, she's 12, and so on the way you know, to school every single morning, uh, we pull up the YouVersion Bible app. And what's so great about it right now is there's always a verse of the day. And you click on that, and there's somebody who talks for about two minutes about that verse then you repeat that verse, and then it asks her, how does this verse apply to you today? She gets to click one of the options. Then she gets to read the prayer, and then we both pray. And if she doesn't feel like praying, she gets to stay in the car until she does. So it's great. I have her you know, locked in and loaded. This is perfect for me. You know, so it's a great environment. But just taking advantage of the hours and hours and hours that we have in the car, how much of our conversation, as much as I'm talking to my sons about sports, Do I mention God in the midst of sports? It's not doing less of those things, it's bringing God more into the things in our everyday lives. Talk about those things. Secondly, talk about Jesus and His Word before bed. Talk about Jesus and His Word before bed. And so, do you have that opportunity as you you put them down to be able to to talk about God and your day? A lot of times, like, well, how was your day? Good. Well, good night. Or can you pray over them? Even as infants, there's these things that you can pray over them. There's there's different even Bibles. Have you read that? If you haven't gotten the children's Bible for like early elementary and they're sitting on your lap and you can read that. Then when they get older, if you're okay with violence, the action Bible, it's legit. I mean, it is like, wow, never saw this on flannel graph when I was in elementary school. You know, but my boys just could not get enough of it because it's written in comic book form. But they're remembering the stories and the different things. And as they get older, there's always an opportunity to be able to put them down, to be able to have God's word on their heart and their mind. Uh, And then it says, and, and and talk about Jesus and his word when you wake up. So what a natural part of the day. When they start the day, is there an opportunity to be able to do that? And so we have these practical things. Now, here's the cool part. If you don't have kids, are we doing those things? See, this doesn't mean just those who have kids. Are you thinking about God and connecting in him in the morning? Do you process the Lord, you know, when you're in the car, on the way to work, or on the way home? Do you have a chance to talk to God or pray with your spouse or pray with somebody else before you go to bed? See, this isn't just about parenting. He's talking about us. And it applies to parenting as well. Here's the other thing I wanna encourage you with. You might have thought, and we're gonna hit this in a couple weeks too, that, well, my kids have kind of grown, or they're past, or I screwed up. I've got a lot of regrets. I just wanna make sure you hear this. It is never too late to start, it is never too late. He might joke a little bit, like Dave did at the beginning. If you're here at the beginning, he says, hey, mom, you know, hope this parenting series, and Dave's like 65 years old. He's not that old, but, you know, uh, you know, he's a little on the older side, and he's like, well, I'm already past this age. Uh-uh, baloney. If your kids are outside the home, when's the last time that you told them you were praying for them? When's the last time you sent them a Bible verse? When's the last time that you told them what God was doing in your life? See, there's ways in which you can still parent your kid No matter what age or stage, in the same way, whether you have kids or not, you can influence those around you by bringing God into your everyday real life. And when that begins to happen, it transforms you. And as it transforms you, it will begin to transform those around you. That's the way it works. So what is your next step in helping kids grow in their love, understanding, dependence on Jesus? Again, maybe it just starts with you. And we're just scratching the surface. We have three more weeks to dive deeper and deeper into what God actually says about this. And like I said, every week, whether you're a parent or not, there's parts of this that will apply to you. But I want to be a church. I hope you look look around. We're a multi-generational church. I want to be that. I want us to be able to go to those who've gone before us and those of you whose kids may have grown that we can learn from your successes as well as your failures because then then we can also then learn from ours and continue to pass that on. The worst thing we can do is do nothing and not be in relationship with other people as we go on this challenging journey of relationships, specifically parenting. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for this uh, lesson, this opportunity to follow you. I pray, Father, that we would just look in the mirror first, knowing that more is caught than taught. Help us, Father, just to recognize who you are in our lives and Father, to reestablish some of those things that we know build relationship with you and as an outpouring can influence those around us. Father, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your truth. And I pray that people would walk out of here just encouraged and challenged by the things of you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.